Well, that's the rudest thing you've ever done. <laughs> this is a mistake. My name is Jake Carnley. And Um, yeah, so my name is Jake Cornley. I am, I live here in Birmingham and I run a candle shop called Great Bear Wax Company and am starting a uh, retail home goods concept store in Woodlawn called Bungalow Bungalow. Uh, this summer so yeah lots lots going on lots going on lots a whole lot going on (laughs) bungalow bungalow is is a home goods concept that I've been thinking about for about three years and the original vision was kind of to invent a shop that was a one-stop shop for all things you know cozy and things that really create a your own vibe in your house things that make home feel just a little bit more like home and you know that kind of stuff and so originally the plan was to do uh candles blankets books you know journals all all these things that that would inspire you know could inspire relaxation and you know your own vibe Mm -hmm. and Recently, it's sort of become kind of a personal challenge for me to create the coolest shop possible for mm-hmm. Gray Bear to live inside of. So if, you know, we, we work with about 95 retail locations in America at the moment, and I, I just wanted to see the perfect setting for a Gray Bear Wax Company candle. And so it, it has kind of become both of those things, something that will be a one-stop shop for, you know, your inspiring and cozy home additions, but also a place that could be like the coolest store in America that Mm -hmm. sold our product. Mm -hmm. And so. Well, it's cool that something is going to be like all these other stores. Great Bear is a product of like something they sell, but you're Mm -hmm. kind of modeling a store after your original vision. Yeah. Because I still very much want to keep pursuing Great Bear. It, it, I I feel like after five years, I feel like it's just started to be fun again. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel, I feel a little bit in the spirit of dreamer and startup mode at this point, since we are planning a shop. So it, that has made Great Bear a lot more fun yeah. as well. And I feel like I've, I've kind of been in a kind of a big, like existential, sp- spiritual, political, uh, like crisis for the last two years in doing that, you know, my business really suffered cause I yeah. was thinking about hell for 24 hours a day. Yeah. You know, it's a, Amazing what in your life suffers when you think about hell for, (laughs) you know, every hour of every day. But now that I'm out of that, I feel, I feel like I'm back to having fun. I feel like I'm back to doing whatever I want to do. And 
trying stuff out again. We, we hit the ground running in 2013 and we were putting out tons of products and all that. And then we kind of got stagnant for a while where we were just doing the same shit that, you know, that we have been doing we weren't releasing new products. We weren't innovating in any way. We were kind of just coasting on being, you know, uh, I laugh at it cause I kind of look at great bear or, you know, until about a few months ago, I kind of looked at great bear as like the coolest candle company of 2015. Hmm. And that just kind of, I, I couldn't shake that. I felt like when I was looking at the product, I was looking at my old self and, yeah. and so making it just a little bit more modern now that I'm out of such a identity crisis and making something that reflects who I am now has been super exciting for me that's cool (laughs) if you hear little cute nails clicking on the floor that's my chocolate lab piper (laughs) piper come breathe into the come woof into the microphone She's being very cute right now. Mm-hmm. I love when she does she wants this. All the attention. That is true. Um, yeah. So that's a little bit about you know Great Bear and yeah. For all of you that that's do follow song. the Candle Biz, we've got a ton of new stuff coming out and really trying to innovate. We're testing out some apricot wax and some coconut wax. Mm. And so yeah, we're really trying to do our part in you know offering our customers and pals a candle company to be proud of yeah yeah but is it scalable (laughs) (laughs) i don't know when you um we're talking a second ago you said something about like your mental state kind of affecting your business and i think that's one thing that a lot of people don't really think about is that when you are a small business and when you're like two-man show like Mm -hmm. it's just you guys yeah, um, and, and that he, your mental stability and the state of mind you're in affects your business so much. Yeah, because if you are not, if you're not feeling it, then you're not going to do anything, and then you're not going to work, and then you're not going to profit, and then yeah, it's, and then it's suffering. And absolutely, you still have people depending on you because you've built it for so long, mm-hmm. and but then it's hard because you as a human being need those moments of being able to have those life altering pondering moments of figuring things out. And it's hard to balance having to make money and depending on yourself to make that money. Yeah. But also having to be in a good mental state, but then how do you get in a mental state if you can't take a break? And it's just like a weird cycle. Yeah. And and it's kind of, it's talked about a lot, but when you run your own thing, it's the, you know, you, you go to bed thinking about new things you should be doing. Or if you, you know, really fucked it all up when you, you know, for me, it's like, I, I, the things that I get really mad at myself for, like not responding to an email that I should have because I, you know, say that I'll get, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll respond tomorrow morning when I'm drinking coffee right. and blah, blah, blah. Right. And then I don't. And, and just silly little mistakes like that, they tend to wear on you. Yeah. I mean, we sold 25,000 candles that year Which and is it was stupid. like the <laughs> hardest year that I've had mentally yeah. in my entire life. 
and it was still like, yeah, you can't. There's a lot of times when you, you run your own business that you get one you get one shot, and if you, you know, if you can't perform or if you can't connect mentally with what you're doing, it's not going to work out. And and I say all that to say that we also experience that too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because also when you're stuck inside your own head, you're I. I got very reactionary. Like I would see something and I'd, you know, start panicking and freaking out that we should have done this or that, or Mm -hmm. you're just not thinking clearly. And you're certainly not thinking reasonably on like a, you know, with the understanding that things take time and things take, you know, planning and, and you're just like, you just want to put everything out and in hopes that that's the thing that'll save your business. But in reality, like you got to get healthy, you know, or, that was that was in my case that was that was what was going on hmm. well seems like you're doing a lot better now you want to talk I about i am do you perfect. want to talk about that kind of yeah totally ride? so yeah let's let's talk about um just my own little journey let's do it i uh i'm gonna start when i I'm going to start the night before my 20th birthday. Oh, wow. Whoa. Oh, going back. So think about it. It was a chilly night in Atlanta. And I was at Passion Conference. Whoa. Wow. Um, Piper is experiencing the Lord. She is. She's probably about to burp very loudly. Uh, so, yeah, on... on I guess that was January 4th, uh, 2010. Well, you remember that exactly. Yep, I think about it every day. <laughs> yeah, so a friend of my, uh, I wasn't really like, I wasn't religious at all and didn't didn't really grow up in a religious household. We we went to church a handful of times a year and and there were certainly like little phases where we would be more into it than others. And, um, but I, I was in college at the time I was a sophomore at Auburn and, uh, my mom's best friend at the time, <laughs> at the time they had a huge falling out. <laughs> uh, they did it. Uh, but she also was her best friend at the time. Um, <laughs> and still is today. Yeah. Like she's still my mom's close friend, but she was <laughs> also her close friend then, uh, and on January 4th, 2010. And yeah, I I we were in a big worship set at Passion Conference, which is a big a very large organization with a lot of reach and a lot of impact and all that good stuff. And I just kind of remember this feeling in my soul that like this generation, you know, it's it's funny cuz the language is very passiony, you know, like yeah. this generation. Uh-huh. But like I, I did feel that I did feel like young people and the people that are alive on Earth right now were going to have a big role in making the world a better place. And yeah. I obviously I very much still believe that I believe that obviously we're evolving, you know, and, and I. I think we're going somewhere great. And so I I think every generation now has its hand in like our own human evolution. But yeah, so I just remember thinking that and and thinking like this could be where I am included in that and and 
I was having a great time. And so, yeah, so it, it made sense to me that this could, you know, being a part of this group, being a part of Christianity, being a part of like the young Christianity, like movement at the time would be a way for me to be included in making the world a better place. And so that's when I had my, you know, they say my conversion moment where I began to like walk with God. If you want to use that language (laughs) at the time, my brother was playing drums at a, at a big church uh, based out of Birmingham, but one that had a campus in Auburn where we were at school Mm. and uh, cough, (laughs) cough church of the Highlands. And so I was already close with a handful of people there because my brother was playing there. He was playing drums and he was obviously doing a great job. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. My brother's a great drummer. Let's just get that straight. (laughs) (laughs) There is no questioning um, that at all. So, yeah, and I'm a guitar player. So I, you know, I've thought that that's how I should get connected. And really, I really believed the idea that like, if you have a talent, you can, you know, if you insert, you could serve the community with your talent. I think, you should do that Mm -hmm. and so um so i went through the little program there to become an electric guitar player and yeah i was really i was really plugged in and i was really into (laughs) (laughs) that was really great i mean i i was great at the electric guitar (laughs) i played that thing like it was the last day on earth (laughs) um (laughs) and yeah, so as the years went by, I got kind of, I gained a little bit more like influence in that, you know, so- social circle and mm-hmm. was incredibly blessed with the opportunity to speak to the college students on a handful of occasions as like the teacher for that, for the <laughs> night, which it's one of those things you look at now and you're like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> whose fucking Who decision was that? <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I did like a good job, but also like, I'm such an emotional person, and having been a Christian for like eight months, <laughs> it's like that was just not a good idea. Uh, you were on don't fire. put that in there. It was a great idea. I did a I did a fine job. <laughs> put that in there. All right. Tell them everybody. Tell them that a girl. That. The, tell them that a girl in the first row started crying. <laughs> And like not, people not got baptized, yeah. People got baptized, like all because of me. Uh, I'm joking. The whole bit is staying in there. Where you're saying, <laughs> take it out, no, leave it in. No, you know what? Leave that in. It was about me. I did it. I did a great job. And yeah, like all of my friends were there. Like that was that was that was my gig. In from, it was your life. Yeah, it was my life. And then yeah. I my parents divorced in 2000 and. Uh, I believe 2013, December mm. 2013, and that like really kind of like stopped a lot of the momentum that I was building, and I got very, very confused about things, and it's not even so much that I like was like hurt that my parents had divorced. It was just like this was, I sort of got in the mindset that like they didn't, they obviously didn't know what was best for them when they were young. And so Mm. how can I be so positive that I know what's best for me Mm. when I'm, 
young. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started asking, you know, bigger questions about existence and about God and about, you know, the existence of like a human spirit and all sorts of things. And so that that's sort of a time when I started to ask the questions that would eventually kind of, you know, cause me to like lose my place within, within like my, my Christianity. And, and for me, like hell was one of the first things that I was like, I don't fucking understand. I just don't like, I get that people are naughty and I get that people do bad things, but it makes no possible sense that on the basis of relationship, God would completely remove all opportunity for you to be in relationship with himself or something. That was one that, that was one that really stuck with me. And it wasn't, it wasn't until a few years later that I started to like get obsessed with that question and eventually like, you know, start seeing a counselor (laughs) over it and, and yeah. But, um, I, I ended up moving to Birmingham in 2014. And at the time there was, uh, there was a church that was starting up here and it was some friends of mine. I was, I was also very connected with a, a place called the JH ranch, a really beautiful ministry in North California where I had the opportunity to do some of the most amazing things I've ever done in my entire life. And really a like group that I'm indebted to forever. Like some of my best friends in the whole world are from my years mm. working at summer camp. And it was amazing, but they were here cause this is where their kind of home base is for their organization. So they were here and one, the, the guy who was our like staff pastor decided he wanted to follow the calling in his heart to start a church. And I got really connected again for the first time in about a year and a half. I was back playing music and I was back uh, leading worship and really kind of talking about it all and contemplating it. And yeah, so kind of being back in that setting, uh, it was definitely a little bit more of like a signs and wonders setting, mm-hmm. which I, I thought to be very, very attractive, especially since they were kind of framed as like, definitive proof that something else is happening you know so that got that was so super attractive to me the the idea that like god would heal someone's broken bone you know and Mm -hmm. and i was around people that were sharing stories that they had seen or been a part of and so it it became a really like attractive setting for me to practice christianity in because with such large questions if there was something unexplainable i i then would like credit i i don't know it was definitive proof of of something that i had been wondering about for years and years and so i absolutely adored my time at oak city church um it's hard to be a part of a startup church there's a lot of i i really felt the responsibility that like Mm -hmm. if i don't if I'm not here, something's missing. If I'm not performing well, it, it's stifling yeah. growth. Like there was just a lot. It's just a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to be a part of a One, it's a hard thing to be a part of a startup. Two, it's a hard thing to be a part of like a startup church, especially yeah. with your friends. And, you know, for a while there, there was like 
there was tension within the group of like, what is our role in this? Where, where is my real identity within this infrastructure and how am I going to succeed doing that? And yeah, it went on for, I guess about four years. I was, I was, you know, serving this, this body of people and I was really connected with the vision and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said that you had kind of stepped down. What was yeah, your so reason? I, There's also a, a period of being burnt out and that type of thing as well. Yeah, completely. Yeah, you know. I know. You know what it's like, you know. Um, Too well. Uh, me and Martha actually know one another <laughs> from uh, being a part of Church of the Highlands in Auburn. In Auburn yeah. So, you know, what a what a gift. Yeah, what a gift. Yeah, like seriously though, like what are you? No, huge it gift. really. I mean, like talking in relation to all the things that you've said, like I completely understand. Like it brought so much into my life for the period of time that it needed to be there, and I have some of my absolute best friends. Yeah. Because of it, I mean, granted, we had known each other then, but mm-hmm. we didn't really become friends until really about the time that you were starting to step away. Well, I guess about a year prior to yeah. when you stepped away from. Oak City, but mm-hmm. there's something to be said about that time in your life where that was the community and what you you were sold out for it, you know? Yeah. And Yeah, and I think I think that's another thing that makes spirituality such a hard thing to separate from whether you like used to be a worship leader or whether you don't have never been a part of a church, is that it's 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 hard work, you know, <laughs> yeah, and and it it's it's there is a level of I don't know. Again, I do feel like I should say that, like, I very much believe in God Mm -hmm. and I am, I am so inspired by the life of Christ and I am Mm -hmm. so inspired by the life of Paul and of like John the beloved. And and I, I I certainly wish that I was more secure in it. You know, that's been a, that's been a journey to become okay with not being, not being a hundred percent certain about it, you know, and still, I just remember, I remember thinking, I remember thinking less of people that just like took what they wanted from Christianity, Mm. you know? And, and I, I even a little bit sort of remember just the cult within the culture kind of being trained to think like that, that like, you know, if there's one group of people, God wants to spit out of his mouth, it's the lukewarm. And so it's, it's just at this point, it's, it's just become such a large ask of people to be certain of this thing that, you know, I think we there's also something to be said, like it's such an individualistic thing. Yeah. Like I think that you being Luke, like in the eyes of someone else being lukewarm is completely different than what you are actually feeling for yourself. So totally. you could have total stability and confidence in what you believe, mm-hmm. but it's not exactly the same. It's not interpreted in the same way as what someone else believes. So who's to say what's right and what's wrong? Yeah. So but I but just, you, anyway. you, you got to recognize a little bit just like in the deep South, you know, with this being oh, such a yeah. part of our culture, there is a class of people who thinks 
that what they believe is like the definitive capital yeah. T truth of existence. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of all around us. It, it's hard for Southern people to, to miss that, you know, like that is, that is such a part of culture as a whole yeah. is that like, or even just the way non-believers are talked about within circles of believers where it's like, I, I don't think I knew of anyone that was happily not a believer until I became like happily not a churchgoer, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I just remember thinking on those people as people who were desperately searching for yeah. what I had or something, you know, I remember that language being very present The like everyone in the world, the lost, they're searching for what you have and like, you don't know how many opportunities you have to share that. There was this very like evangelical air to it all when I don't fucking know what it all means. I I know that I, as a human being, feel like my absolute truest and best self when I'm kind and when I'm, you know, gracious and when I'm compassionate and, and and I, but I, I don't, you know, I think all that stuff is totally edified by the Bible if you, you know, throw out all the other bullshit. I think, you know, it's taken, I'm about a, a year out of church at this point, and it's taken me this long to understand that the whole point of it all along was to love your neighbor hmm. and, you know, at very best love God or tr- try to connect with something that, is larger than ourselves or something that is maybe a like connecting force with all humanity. You know, I don't necessarily think of God as like a physical entity anymore as much as I do of like just the ideology of love or the, Mm. the maybe supreme existence of the love that like connects all of us. Yeah. And, but it's a, it's a process, you know, I was really, pissed about it for a while you know and I, I felt yeah. rejected and I felt a lot of shame myself for having like not believed some of this stuff mm-hmm. anymore and I, I knew that people looked up to me and I knew that people you know looked to me in some way shape or form within Christianity as a as a, a voice worth listening to you know I don't Obviously, I hate to sound like I was bigger than I was in it because that's that's not true either. But I did have a voice in it, mm-hmm. and and I felt bad for that. You know, I felt bad for the people that I'd have to, you know, tell that I don't know what I think about all this so much anymore. I know yeah. that I love you, and I'm tremendously grateful. But I don't know if I am confident enough to tell you that hell's eternal or something. Yeah. I don't know. But then you get into like, do you have to throw out heaven if you throw out hell? And it just fucking, it never, it just, <laughs> just it gets spirals. so crazy, you know? And I already yeah. have a like very obsessive personality where like if I get onto something, it's, I talk <laughs> about it. I like think about it. I tell my friends about it. I show them pictures. Like last night, I've been like emotional all day because last night I had a dream that I got to to hug Jerry Garcia and just tell him what his, I feel like I'm about to start crying now. You know, like (laughs) tell him what his music has meant to me. And, but like, that's just the way I get, I get very, very obsessed with everything. And so, 
yeah, we're, we'll kind of go back to the hell thing of like, so when I get obsessed with definitively proving why hell doesn't make sense, it like, your whole life suffers because of it. I remember taking an entire January off of work and like I wasn't being inspired and I wasn't going back to nature. <laughs> and I was literally sitting here thinking about uh, if I ever had to communicate my stance on hell, this is how I would mm. do it the most efficiently. It was like, it was so insane. You know, it was truly fucking crazy. But that's me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you've got like a full document where you stand on hell. Yeah, go to uh, Jake Carnley hell.blogspot.com <laughs> and you can uh, you can read my article on it's called what the hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah picking up there it was kind of a defining the election season was a very defining point for mm-hmm. my spirituality and and as as much as I you know looking back on it it's like I don't understand how you know how I can't quite relate to how I was thinking. It was one of those things that like I went back and forth on so many candidates. Like I gave money to John Kasich and his, you know, campaign to run for president. And he got, I think like, I think like 300 people in Alabama voted for him or something. (laughs) Like it was so crazy. Um, and then, like, I remember among Christians how Ben Carson sort of represented this, like, God, I don't know, like, squishy little, like, savior or something. Like, he was he was looked <laughs> at as, like, the nice guy and the, the good Christian among the group, which I don't know what the fuck. That I don't understand totally. And obviously, like, the narrative around Hillary in the South and... You know, how it was such a, it was, it almost like borderline evil. It was almost as if like Hillary was the evil one. Yeah. If if Obama wasn't the evil one, then Hillary definitely was. Yeah. Why she was, they people can give you a reason, but none of it's backed up by emails. reality. You know, like, yeah, it's like, well, she had emails. <laughs> like, oh, what do you, okay, like, but- it's sexism. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. All that to say, like, the election season kind of landed as I was leaving Christianity, um, which made it a very confusing time for me because leaving Christianity was not something that I wanted to do. I, d- I certainly didn't gleefully leave the church. You know, it, it, it almost felt like the absolute last thing I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. It was a very... It's like I've never I've never been so like afraid in my life to like start dropping hints at my brother that I like wasn't going to be a part of church anymore or to my family, you know, or to, you know, that that is truly where all of my best friends. That's where we met. That's where we really like. I don't know that amplified our friendship because it felt like we had a this like divine purpose together to. Mm-hmm. To at the very least just be encouragers of one another and mm-hmm. so yeah, so it, it it became a very bizarre season for me and one that I I just didn't quite know how to handle. And I, I remember walking into the voting booth not knowing who I was gonna vote for, mm-hmm. which 
looking back on it's like you know come on what are you thinking but I, I remember praying the night before, like, when I get into the voting booth, God, I trust that I will have some amount of peace to follow and leaving it at that. And, um, and yeah, I remember filling out the thing and thinking I, I was at that point kind of the, the, the culture of the church I was a part of really looked at a... Um, really looked at a church in California um, called Bethel very, very fondly. I think a mm-hmm. lot of what we did was very much inspired by the culture that they have created out there, um, especially the like the signs and wonders and the God being so accessible mm-hmm. and God being so willing to kind of be in relationship with you or like in constant communication or constant communion with you. And so that church was pretty outspokenly in defense of president Trump and they were pretty outspokenly against Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. I don't even know that that was quite the narrative, but you knew where their leadership stood in regards to this Mm -hmm. election. And so I remember kind of like thinking back at that and yeah, that was right before I, I personally cast my vote for president Trump. And that, that's, that's where this whole thing kind of changes for me mm-hmm. because I remember asking God for peace. I'm not saying it's God's fault that I did what I did, but I, I remember expe- fully expecting to whatever I felt for that to be at least a manif- manifestation of God's will, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and so I remember, yeah, I remember f- filling in that little circle and I just immediately remember feeling shame about it. Hmm. And I remember being, uh, there was a woman who was like handing her ballot in, in front of me and behind me. And I remember holding my ballot to my chest so that no one saw that I just voted for, Donald Trump, who is a very sexist, very xenophobic, he's racist, Mm. he's homophobic, (laughs) he is, I don't think at that point it felt so blatantly evil, you know, at that point, we didn't know that he was fucking porn stars and paying them off to just shut up about it, and we didn't know that, like, you know, we knew about the wall, which is racist as fuck, but we didn't know about the you know the camps where children are being separated we didn't know he'd get the opportunity to appoint so many supreme court Mm -hmm. justices like there was i think it was still very clear if i'd have just been paying attention i think it was still very clear that this is not a good person that represents my values um but there was another narrative that i was really trying to connect with and i think for me i was i was desperately trying to hang on to my christianity and I was desperately trying to reconnect with that. And, and by, you know, that, that, that sort of became the, like, my last big act of faith. Mm. To, to, to go against something in favor of God or God's will or something like that. And so when I immediately felt shame and, like, conviction. These are words that are all through the Bible. Conviction especially. I never felt conviction for like like drinking too many beers or like yeah. you know smooching with 
my girlfriend, you know, like I'd never, yeah. I'd never felt true conviction about stuff like that. Yeah. And but those were always such notable things that like we as believers and guys had to chat it out about. And, but it was <laughs> like, I just remember like kind of, yeah, casting that vote and it kind of being my last little portion of desire to connect with my own Christianity. Yeah. And so I look at that as, you know, this is, this is weird. Listener, you are reading to this was a mistake podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I tend to look at that in my life as a mistake. And, and you know, there's a lot of people who have a lot of opinions about a lot of things. And the mistake I'm talking about is like denying my own, what my own soul was saying you know, in hopes that it was more like what my soul should be, you know, but I think if you what you were being told. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. that's the but mistake I think that here you, that I agree. You're following over. along with all those things. And like we've said earlier, like what we've realized is a lot of mistakes, quote unquote, don't actually end up being mistakes. It's just a bump along the journey. And yeah. so I feel like for you, you might not have got come to the conclusion that you're at as in the same way that you did sure. without having gone through these things, without having that feeling of conviction, without having like yeah. this moment of, well, do I regret this? Why do I regret this? What, what makes me, everything around me is saying that this is correct. Why do I feel conviction and regret Absolutely. in this? So I think that it's one of the things to bring you to the person that you've become today. Mm-hmm. It, Yes, it could be viewed as a mistake in your eyes, but yeah. at the same time, it's just something along your path that kind of helped guide you to where you've Absolutely. gotten now. I 100% agree with that because I feel, you know, it's a few years later and I, I feel like the absolute best version of myself that yeah. I've ever, and, and it, it took fucking work. I mean, it was like after, cause yeah, keep, Keeping going with the story after that I sunk into like a true depression I think that Mm -hmm. was the January that I took off the Mm -hmm. entire month That point for me was like the fulcrum of my adult life and my personal spirituality Where it was like I slunk into this slunk (laughs) Man, I slunk (laughs) into this big depression and again, it's like it's not that I was like I made a bad decision I'm so bad. It was that like knowing that I had just kind of like defied my own soul and what my own mm-hmm. spirit was saying it, that sort of marked my like leaving of we'll call it organized Christianity or church yeah. or something, you know, that, that was the point in which everything changed for me. And yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've got best friends that I'm no longer like incredibly close with just because we don't have, that thing uniting us. And I I knew that. And I I knew leaving would be really fucking awful and hard. And it was. And I I think to like every passerby on the street, I'd be like, have you ever left the church? And they'd be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And then I would just start pouring words out of my mouth about how, what I was going through, you know, it was just totally projecting on everybody. But it's also, it's also thankfully at a time in which a really dear friend of mine named Matt handed me, you know, an Alan Watts book. And we started talking about other forms of spirituality that, you know, that I could 
add to my own and sort of continue, you know, a journey of continuing to make sense of it all or enough sense about it. But yeah, it, it was a leaving the church is like it, it reframes everything for you. Like that was my decision making process. That was my friend group. That was my, you know, where I felt safe yeah. socially. That was so many things. And, and, and for again, the last I've 10 got, years, it's the only thing you knew. Yeah. And I'd be, yeah, I'd been very heavily practicing this stuff. And, you know, at times it was looking like, you know, I, I may become the like next big shit in it all. And, you know, I wanted to cut like a little worship record and I was writing, I was actively writing music at that point, you know, and two of those songs were very good, (laughs) 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 but it's like, it, it just sort of, it disrupted everything. And it, and it was something that I just had no idea how to handle because my, all of my adult years had been this. And I, I was on a, you know, it was always somewhat of a like clear path for me internally that like, I would love to write worship songs. I'd love to like write a book about contemplation. Cause I also really did enjoy being a kind of a somewhat like liberal voice within it all. Like I liked Mm -hmm. that people were like, so you don't believe in hell, huh? Tell me about it. And then I would be like, okay. Cause I liked the, I liked having conversation about it and I still do. But yeah, my identity as all of those things got totally flipped on its head and I had to kind of rediscover who I was, especially as an adult. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm 29 now and it was last time I did any real contemplation was when I was 23. And so just being different. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, It's one of those things that I recognized as not who I truly am. And I've, I've, I've worked really hard to just listen, listen Mm -hmm. to, listen to other people, listen to other, you know, veins of spirituality, listen to my friends. Yeah. It, it took a long time to feel good about not knowing what it is that's out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But do you feel like with you kind of coming to this conclusion and this understanding Mm. that it's helped you in more than just your mental life. Like, I feel like you said that you, well, you did say you were happier than you've ever been Yeah, currently. And I think that that kind of pours into business, into personal life, into Mm -hmm. every aspect of your life that you have a bit more peace. Yeah, totally. Um, And I think a lot of that has come through uh, not only just reading a lot of other people's work like I like me and mm-hmm. all my friends got really into Alan Watts and Thomas Merton and you know a handful Richard Rohr the people who like notably contemplate this stuff mm-hmm. uh Ram Das is another one that I got really excited about and I'm still very excited about um and just kind of the whole like I don't know I think it's weird to say that you're excited by like the counterculture like movement of the 60s and 70s but even just like the opportunity with my own story to like to be a part of a bigger conversation than what's happening right now you know in in a time in which we think there's a defined clear path you know much like socially they did in the 60s and 70s and stuff like that in a time in which people are are wanting to talk about a defined clear path to go against that is a little 
exciting in a way. And uh, and again, I'm not fully I'm I'm not fully against it at all. Like I'm yeah. incredibly inspired by the life of Christ and I am incredibly inspired by the love that's mm-hmm. talked about in the Bible and the acceptance. I think that's that's the thing about Jesus that at this point is so exciting. Less that like he was the figure that saved me from being real bad. Yeah. And again, I'm using very like very like easy to understand <laughs> words about it because like when you start to look at it in a different way, it kind of it does feel like that, you know. It's like yeah. less of like a fixture in crowd control and more of a like version of our truest self or something. You know, mm. that that like there is the Christ self that is in me and in each of you and there's a lot about there's a lot that I say about my time in heavily in Christianity that I'm like just now learning the words to put to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I ever would have thought I was judging another person, yeah. you know, cause I did love them and I did certainly want to see them go to heaven or something. But so I don't, I'm learning that now mm-hmm. or even like in, in a dating relationship with my amazing partner, the beautiful, the wonderful grace. It like, I'm learning now to use the words that like, no, when I act like you should just listen to me, that's me being sexist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that is, a, that is a learned behavior. Yeah. And that is the expectation that like, I'm the leader. Right. I'm a man. A man yeah. should lead. And yeah, I think it's good for you to want to lead. And I think it's good for me to want to lead. But, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like that manifests itself in very fucking weird ways. Yeah. When you're like, when you're disagreeing with your girlfriend and the thing you end up being mad at is that they won't just listen to you Yeah. when it's like, that's wrong of me. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm sure I did that with most of the people I dated, you know, if I'm still doing it in, in a little bit more of a like contemplative place, I know for a fact that I used to do it too. Mm-hmm. And so like learning to learning to just not, live in a fucking fantasy world has been one of my like favorite things. And Mm -hmm. I think the thing that's made me healthy is like, or even like learning to understand that I I know I, I don't agree with the way Republicans form the narrative around human rights or around the economy. You know, we know trickle down economics doesn't work. Like that's not, you know, so, so at this point and, and it's, the, the Trump thing was such a weird instance because, like, I loved the Obama administration. I voted for Obama in 2000. I voted for McCain mm-hmm. in, uh, Eight. in 2008. Yeah, we rode with my dad, and he uh, he steered us towards McCain. It was You were I mean, 18. Yeah, I was 18 years old. I was, you know, whatever. First year um, But, you know, in, what was that, 2012? Mm-hmm. Yeah, had the distinct pleasure for voting yeah. for President Obama, and and it like, yeah. So that was why that's why that became such a the political aspect of my spirituality became such an a, um, you know, an important thing for me to like kind of leave behind after I essentially like, with my vote, kind of pardoned this very cruel man who has a limited understanding of what makes humanity great and so yeah so that, so it's kind of like leaving the church has now formed in me like 
even more honestly even more of a want to like Mm. see my community healthy and to like serve my brother and to like address my biases and address the things in me that are in opposition to like loving the people around me yeah and so so yeah in that regard i'm glad it happened you know i hate that it I hate that it did, but I feel like the the church today kind of is more stagnant than the rest. It's kind of just staying still. It's not necessarily like going backwards or anything, but it's I don't know, it's scared of letting anything in. Yeah. In fear of tainting. Mm-hmm. And I feel like and this is maybe personal view on a corporate church, but they create a life and they create a system and they create like a verbiage and they create a picture perfect beautiful little bubble Mm -hmm. and if you let in any of the world and you let in any of the progressive things that are happening in the world then the people inside the bubble might start realizing things or might start thinking differently and then how do you control how do you maintain you know and again like i said that's possibly biased with my personal experiences and very corporate, very, very insanely organized religion. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that there's, it's, it's out of fear. And a lot of the modern churches are based in a lot of shame. Yeah. And like we're talking, it's, which is so interesting to me that something that is all about repentance is also harping so much on shame and, something that's supposed to be all about forgiveness and grace mm-hmm. fixates so much on condemnation. Yeah. But like, again, I said earlier, it's run by humans and those humans have learned from the humans prior to them and the ones prior to them mm-hmm. without asking questions, without thinking outside the box. Totally. And yeah. there's definitely like a, a narrative within it all too, where you kind of mm-hmm. learn, you kind of learn how to, handle the people who push back you know like i remember Mm -hmm. i remember when when we were all in college and we were all part of a very large church how it was like if people didn't like the church you kind of had like a little script where it was like well then you know because it was a very large church and the question of like is it effective when it's so large it was you knew how to answer that and it was always with like well we know that this big church is for everyone but if you want anything you got to do small groups you got to get plugged in elsewhere and like it was never it was never the church's fault Mm -hmm. it was always the user's fault that like if you're not getting a lot out of this then you're not trying hard enough and you're not doing enough then just devote more time to this or just do this more and it, it just again i think that's that's why it can appear a little stagnant is because they they have wedged into their belief that like they're already going to be opposed a certain and then when you look into like the narrative that you know the conservative republicans have of like the elites and the where it's like you you kind of you give yourself a reason to not engage it's mm-hmm. the whole like it's also the narrative among like you know democrats and republicans now where if like if you think all democrats are baby killers 
then now you've just given yourself a reason to not engage with them because yeah. they're baby killers and how fucking evil could you be? So I can't, I can't engage in that. And it's the same if you accuse everyone of being a racist all the time or a, you know, xenophobe or, or all that, you know, and that's not even, we're not even getting into the fringe of the, like the, the reptilian elite. Oh boy. Oh I'm God. totally joking. Ew, in my fucking, in my existential fucking crisis, I stayed up till like three in the morning. One time watching this, this is also very embarrassing. And this is the mistake I'm talking about. Yes. I watched like, Alex Jones and Joe Rogan just go head to head on the podcast. And I remember waking up the next morning and be like, holy shit, what happens? What happens if all this is true? What happens if fucking Pizzagate is true? <laughs> like, and I would just remember like just having no real grid on reality. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was, yeah, stressing about it all. And <laughs> yeah, you were just searching uh, for an answer. Yeah, I just want the answer, you know, whatever it is. And, and you know, I don't know. I, I'm I'm so grateful for, you know, so many voices that I was able to, like, turn to in that time. And I'm, I'm so grateful for Alan Watts and Jerry Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> don't put that in there. Nope, it's in oh, there. it's in there. <laughs> Your dream is in there. As I look down at my Grateful Dead Chacos. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think... I think, yeah, the theme here is definitely that, like, the thing you think was the largest mistake ended up birthing some of the best good in your life. And exactly. I, I, I don't know. I, I have, I have, I don't know. I've gotten really excited about human rights and the environment. And I know a big portion of, like, what we're doing with Great Bear and Bungalow Bungalow is choosing to donate a uh, at least one percent. We're what we're doing is we're donating one percent to a human rights organization, the EJI, uh, doing work in Montgomery. Yeah, look them up. They're really wonderful. And then Alabama Rivers Alliance here in town, um, kind of like a water authority in the state of Alabama. And so yeah, so kind of a product of that is becoming really, really stoked about seeing just how connected the human race is. And yeah. I think I think we. You know, I think we all do truly want the same things. Th these things become kind of like meme-ish when you hear them all the time. But like, of course we do. And and I, I think there is something that unites all of us. At this point, I don't think the thing that we have in common is that we're all equally bad and in need of no. a savior. And I think it's that we we need to contemplate and understand that all the good in the world could be within us. It, it could be born out of us if we choose to yeah do you want to talk about progressive southerners at all yeah you kind of hit it at it yes yeah, so um me and some pals for the last probably year have been really passively talking about what we want uh what we want to see in our state and what we want to see in our city and in and you know our little our little reach that we all have here in the Southeast, knowing that, knowing that we're in a red state, knowing that we're in a, a state that pretty radically doesn't stand up for women Humans. and for, you know, black people 
and for trans people and queer people and really kind of what we could do to to ensure that we make the south as wonderful as we think it is you know it's kind of become something that a friend of mine hannah says is that she may have even said it on this podcast that like staying in the South has become like a radically political move, Yeah, you know, or it's like, we, we, we know that you moved to LA, like we know you moved to New York and now yeah. you don't have to deal with being upset by your local government. Yeah. But like, there's something radical about staying here and about having new ideas and about yeah. wanting to see people and human rights protected and and so what we've decided to do is is launch a little um a little group of us kind of a little grassroots initiative uh where we are building a collective of small and large businesses that have also pledged to donate at least one percent of their profits to a human rights or environmental organization working in the south Mm -hmm. and the heart behind that is that like we it's not the northern liberals who are going to change this country it it has been southern progressives (laughs) it has been radical voices like martin luther king and lily ledbetter and people who have truly changed america yeah and that's born here uh and so so something that we want to do with uh progressive southerner uh, name may change. Uh, because so, the so we're just organizing right now, everyone. <laughs> we're just organizing. Uh, it, is that um, is that the country is going to change by us changing it and us hopefully rallying some people together to do a huge amount of good? And it's going to cost us our money, and it's going to cost us our time, and it's going to be uncomfortable. It's uh, it, it is uncomfortable. You know, there's joke after joke after joke about your like conservative uncle at Thanksgiving who's pissed that Obama's a Muslim mm-hmm. and it's like that's a real thing yeah <laughs> that's a real thing you know and, and it's around all of us and especially when there's such large organizations that are giving money to Republican candidates mm-hmm. we hope to combat that with uh, a big conglomerate of southern run companies who who want to ensure that human rights are protected here in the South and want to ensure that, that equal rights are given to everyone here in the South mm-hmm. and that the environment's taken care of. It's, it's the environment's become a, a, a human rights issue, you know, as we see that New Orleans, which is a predominantly black city, will be flooded in several decades from now. It's like there's yeah. displacement that's going to happen. It is a human rights issue. And... So yeah, so we want to give our money to organizations working in the South on behalf of human rights mm-hmm. and the environment. And so yeah, so be on the lookout. We like I said, we're we're totally kind of just organizing right now, trying to figure out some infrastructure stuff. But we we we're super inspired by the one percent for the planet movement. We're super we're super inspired by people like Bitter Southerner who who have really been a pivotal voice in in this narrative. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah, taking notes from a lot of those those guys and creating our own thing, which eventually will become kind of a, a, a database for you to find Southern brands and Southern businesses, all of which donate a portion of their profits to yeah. 
these companies so that you can ensure that your dollar spent in the South is going to things that ensure a better South for everyone. Mm. Yeah. Hey, Jake, thanks so much for being on. Yeah, we really appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me. This yeah. is a real delight. And it's I'm, a treat. I'm, uh, yeah, I like talking about a lot of this stuff. If any of you uh, listeners want to <laughs> continue the conversation, want to maybe like shoot me an email about Where can they do that? all things uh, existential. Yeah, you want to do some plugs? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I run segue. a candle shop that's a lot of fun called Great Bear Wax Company, and we will be opening up a, a retail store, a cool little retail concept where you're going to be able to get just the smelliest, most wonderful home accents Mm -hmm. to really set the mood. Where can they stay informed about that? The store is called Bungalow Bungalow, and we're going to open, we're going to open early this summer and have a lot of in-house Great Bear stuff and then also a handful of other brands that we'll bring in for you to enjoy. Perfect. Nice. I'm in a band now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was close. Okay. <laughs> Let me, yeah, before, before we, I almost forgot the most important part of all of this. I am in a new band called The Rugs, mm-hmm. and mm. we make electric country music and have as much fun as we possibly can making music. Okay. Oh, yeah. So more things to plug. We, we have... Uh, we've started the group Progressive Southerners um, on Instagram and then ProgressiveSoutherners.com. Would you believe it was available? What? <laughs> Surely you bought it 20 years ago. <laughs> no, I bought it for eleven ninety nine. Progressive. No one has thought of Progressive Southerners before. Kind of bizarre. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what we want to do with that is we want to rally behind the the businesses and the individuals who are doing the real fucking work in the South. They're doing the real thing. They're not talking about it. They're given to people in our backyards who are maximizing the amount of good the human race can do in the South. And so we are partnering a bunch of businesses to, uh, to donate our money. And so we will soon have a website with businesses for you to support and um, the organizations should you want to make your own donations. So yeah, be on the lookout for that. Mm-hmm. Bungalow Bungalow, Great Bear Wax Co., The Rugs, my rock band. Yeah. Uh, that's all I want to plug. Perfect. Nice. All right, cool. Thanks again. Yeah, what thanks. a wonderful treat. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bye. 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 This is a mistake. <laughs> it's not the reptilian elite that's coming <laughs> to save you, Sal. <laughs> this is a mistake. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Democrat now. You gotta believe me. <laughs> you gotta believe me. This is a mistake. Me and Josh at this point are like, we're recognized by the state of Alabama <laughs> as, a, uh, <laughs> as a married couple. <laughs> yeah. So we have rights. And- yeah, it's a <laughs>